Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know that, uh, remember where I said that the Ten Commandments is, uh, is really a man-made phrase. Uh, in the Bible, say, it's the Ten Sayings of God. And it's very important because of when you hear the word commandments, uh, it gives a picture of that all that God is someone who is looking down upon you and enforcing you to do something that you do not want to do. But because it's a commandment, it overrides your will. But the Ten Commandments or any law you find in the Bible is not there to restrict you, it's there to protect you. Okay? You know, there's a reason for why the Bible talks about, you know, I say, uh, children, honor your father and mother. Okay? And then there's a promise because a long life will come with it. Why is it like that? Because if you cut your parents away, you cut wisdom away from your life. Okay? Yeah, you might see someone on YouTube or you might see someone else or whatever, but, you know, they don't care about you. And the thing is, what you find on the internet is catered, you, you are catering or seeking for something that confirms who you are. You know, your parents, they know who you are. And sometimes the advice they give you, you might not like it, but that's because they know who you are. Okay? One thing I realize is that you can never, when someone quotes your own advice to yourself, it won't work. Amen? Why? Because the advice you're giving is catered for the person you're giving it to. So they can't. So you can't reverse it back to you because that's, now it's a different situation. But it's important we have this image of God that that is not is it, it, it is not a religion. It, it is not like how other people are conducting their faith or whatever they call it. But it is a relationship with the living God. Amen. And it's so vital we understand it because in our flesh, you know, our flesh by nature, is religious. What I mean by that is that we like to have do's and don'ts because when we can be, if I do done these things, then everything is okay. If i not done these things, everything is wrong. So I know which one to do. But that's not how it works with God. It is a relationship that you have with him and therefore you cannot mirror your walk with Jesus in someone else because each one of us have an individual relationship with Jesus. We, we are not an organization, we are family, and as I said to you, that if you enter into a family and everyone looks the same, talks the same, dress the same, there's something wrong in the family. But if you can go to most churches today, I, I'm telling you, I don't even need to be told which church they're going to, I can tell just by looking at them. Because they're all uniform. I remember, I couldn't believe it, we went down to... Uh, here Heidi Baker many years ago it is now and this pastor because Bill Johnson now became a big thing and Bill Johnson he introduced this thing that now you could go walk in jeans and I'm telling you that man he has never worn a pair of jeans in his whole life and uh, because he had what is it uh, he had creases in his jeans it looks completely strange okay but the thing is that he tried to be uniform you know anything could be a uniform do you understand? You know, like I think school uniforms are brilliant in UK. Um, in in the Danish culture, they think our oh, school uniform is really horrible and so on. But you know what? In you know, we might not officially have school uniforms in Denmark, but unofficially we do, because everyone wears the same trainers, the same work sack, and whatever. The only difference in Denmark is far more expensive. 
Okay, but the thing is, Christianity is not a uni organization, so we cannot be uniformed. The moment you become like someone else, one of you is unnecessary. Okay, because we are created unique. Amen. You know, it's it's interesting. Everyone wants to be told they're unique, and then we spend the whole life looking like someone else. Okay, now we, we, it's a crazy world we are we living in, in this day now. I just saw a picture from this uh, demonstration in protest in uh, London. I saw these women with makeup, no cover of the face, uh, long hair, no head thing, no hijab or anything like that, demonstrating for Islam. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that you know the Taliban would really love women who wear makeup, uh, no face cover, and expressing themselves in public. It's just a crazy world we're living in. Anyway, uh, you probably, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Jesus, he said in John 17, he said, talked about that, I have done the job that you have asked me to do. And we, we know that this is that for Jesus to reveal God as who he is. Because in the Old Testament, you know, you probably heard the redemptive names of Jesus, or of God, and, uh, but... The more I reading into it, it is not God's names. Okay, you know, you probably heard about Jehovah Jireh, God who provides for you, God the healer, and so on and so forth. And uh, the more I look at it, these are not the names of God. Okay, these are the things that God does. Okay, you know, you and I, our, our name is not based upon what we do. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, they could only know God by what he did. The way they related to God was what they do, because they could not carry the Spirit. You know, they had a physical temple in Jerusalem, but in the New Testament, you and I, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now we don't go to God. God is in us, because we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so it's important when you're reading about these names in the Old Testament that these are not the names of God. Just like you're not, uh, hopefully not in your home, you're not addressed by your work title. Uh, you know, uh, if you are, it's a bit weird, okay? You know, because that's not who you are. This is what you do. And what you do is not necessarily who you are, okay? And uh, so... So, so when you, so, so this is not what it is about, okay? And uh, and back to this thing about because I, you know, when I look at Facebook, when I look at YouTube, when I look at these things, I get really, really disturbed in my heart because of one of the commands or one of the sayings, what we traditionally know as the Ten Commandments, is that God says to the Israelites, "Do not use the name of God in." vain okay but now it's become like a pandemic where everyone god showed me god told me god this and god that and god whatever it is and 99.9 percent of it is not god it is people who shape god into their image so they're thinking that god is they are equivalent to god so what i my opinion is is equivalent to what God thinks, and it's not. Okay, it's very important that 
But uh, we, we, it's a big, big danger when we start saying, God showed me, God told me, God whispered, and we all, because this is not how it works. And, and deep down, uh, as I said, in modern language, it's really the greatest name dropping of all. And I think because of that, Christianity, or the faith of our walk with Jesus, has turned into become something so far away from what it is really about. I remember when Matthew was uh, started in school, and so, and I think we had some assignment in school about uh, what does your dad do or whatever. And when he came to ask me what did I do, I said that I've never really thought about that. So I came up with a good answer. I thought I said I'm in the transportation business. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I'm supposed to transport people from one place to another, Amen. from hell to heaven. Okay, so so I said, so I'm in the transportation business, and and this is really what we need to come back to, because I think many of us we get sidetracked by what is not important. Okay, we what is important is actually the bottom line of it. One thing you and I all have in common, no matter who we are, we all going to die. That's right. Amen. Amen. Don't start writing your will if if I die. Okay, if I die, you can have my cat or something like that. No, it's when. You know, the moment you take your first breath, the countdown has started. Okay, it's nothing to be scared of, but it's just a part of life. Someone said once, but until you realize you're not going to be here forever, that's where you can start living. Okay. You know, that's why when you find people who have been diagnosed with cancer suddenly, they start living because they realize time is not on their side. And I think one of the important things is the gospel is ultimately about your eternal destiny. Okay, all the other things we talk about is, is byproducts. It's not the thing. The thing is, when I, if I asked you, if you passed away today, are you absolutely certain of that you're going up and not down? Because this is what it is about. And um, and remember in John 3, 3, Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he says to, uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And now, that is a big statement in that, because of, if you cannot see the kingdom of God, you cannot see Jesus as a king. And, uh, and one thing that I really, that really, the other day, really hit me, was that uh, Judas, you know Judas, and don't believe this demonic teaching about Jesus forgave Judas. You know, there's some, there's always weird teachings around, okay? Judas is lost because he betrayed our Savior, okay? But, but as you heard me share before, what's the difference of Judas and the other disciples? After all, from a natural point of view, it looked like Judas was the most trusted of them all. Why do I say that? Because he, ha he handled the money. You know, who do you entrust your money to? to the one who is trustworthy, so to speak. He didn't give it to Peter. Okay, Peter, he probably forgotten about it. 
John, if he gave it to John, John had given it to his mom. He, he was a mama's boy. Do you, you know that? Mom, could you ask Jesus if I can be promoted? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, little John, I'll go. Okay, so he was a mama's boy, and, uh, and so I actually had a hot temper because we were called the sons of thunder. Him and his brother, can you imagine? Oh, yeah, these are my sons, the sons of thunder. <laughs> anyway, but, but what hit me the other day is Judas, he knew Jesus as a good person. Okay? He knew Jesus as his friend. He knew Jesus as the healer. He knew Jesus as a teacher, as a preacher, as a rabbi. Because people came and say, Rabbi, uh, he, 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 did, he knew Jesus as a good friend. He knew Jesus as the good shepherd and so on and so forth. But there was one thing that was never revealed to Judas. Judas never got to know Jesus as his savior. Do you understand? He knew him as a healer. He knew him as all these things. But he, the one thing that was important, he did not know him as his savior. You know that Lester someone he preached a sermon about that was called the best day, the best day in the life of Peter. And when he based it upon when Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus three times to a little girl. And he said, that was the best day in the life of Peter. Why? Because that was the day Peter needed to know Jesus as his savior. And it's so important we get back to this thing that the gospel is that unless you get born again, you can only get born again when you know him as your savior. Not as your healer, not as your provider, not all these things are not the main thing. The main thing is we each one of us needs to know him as our savior. And I'm what worries me many times now when I see it is that the way the gospel is introduced or the Bible is introduced, Jesus is introduced, he's not introduced as the savior. He's introduced for many other things. Come and have a good time. Come, there's an event here. We call it church, but it's really just an event. Come and have a good time. Forget about your day-to-day -day life for for the whole week and come here and we, we, we can have flashing lights and entertainment and so on for an hour or two and then you can just forget all about it and then you go back to your miserable life afterwards. Okay? It's just an event. It's no different from what the world does. That's why when you have a, a lot of idiots going to football every Saturday because they just want to forget their life. Okay? I, I heard about this football guy. Have you heard? probably heard about him called Maradona when, when he was sold to Naples to Napoli and Napoli was one of uh, probably still is one of the worst cities in Italy okay and uh, and uh, and when we, we, we said we, how can you afford it and when we say oh yeah but it's cheaper to buy him and get all the poor people to forget about their misery and when they go to the stadium once a week shouting out all their frustrations, that's cheaper than social services. And you know, it worked. They call him God in, in Napoli. Okay? There is even a church in Argentina called the Maradona Church. It, it, it's just crazy. Anyway, but the thing is, they knew him, Judas knew him as all these things, but he did not know him as the Savior. 
And just like in the natural, what is the most important thing in a, in a, in a, in in our, if something goes wrong at birth, it follows you the rest of your life. And I believe that we need to get back to the, the one thing is that we need to understand people need to be saved. They don't need to be blessed. They need to be saved. And when they are saved, they will be blessed. But the blessing is not the aim. The aim is salvation. So that we confidently know that the moment is my time, I'm off. I know where I'm going. Because I know him as my savior. I'm telling you, if you only know Jesus as your healer, as your provider, as your friend, and so on, it's only a matter of time, circumstances, becomes tough enough for you to run away. But if you know him as your savior, you know you can never run. Because you have been lost, and then you were found. Amen. And... Uh, let me just read John 3, 3 so I, uh, so I don't forget to read the scripture. Actually, before I read John 3, 3, that, uh, no, I, no, I will do that if there's time for it. John 3, 3. Uh, no, that's not John 3. No, no, now I'm in John 2. John 4. Okay, now, so verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler in the, of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. Now notice teacher here. No, notice the, the Jewish definition of a teacher. There are many people, you know, the, the body of Christ is really funny. When I got saved, I was at the back end of, everyone was an evangelist. So when someone say, oh, what is your ministry? I'm an evangelist. Uh, and the only qualification for you to be an evangelist, you should just be excited. When you are an evangelist, oh, I love Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, you are an evangelist. Okay, that was the qualification. If you are excited and you could just clap, you are an evangelist. Okay, when the word of faith movement came in, now we were no more evangelists. Now we were all teachers. Uh, what are you on a teacher? But because we thought if we could explain something from the Bible, whatever little thing, now you are a teacher. Okay? Then later on, after the Word of Faith movement, when the Toronto blessings start coming in, now we are all prophets. And uh, all of it, this is just stupidity, all of it, because I, I have been anything from evangelist to teacher to prophet or whatever, and I'm none of these things. Okay? I'm just whatever. Jesus say that I am, okay? But now but but notice the definition of a Bible teacher. They say, we know that you are a teacher come from God. I mean now the definition of a teacher. For no man can do these miracles. For no man can do these miracles. It, a, a Bible teacher is not someone who can oh I know what that word means in Hebrew in Greek, and I can quote it standing on one foot with closed eyes and hold a balloon or something in my hand and so on. That's not a Bible teacher. Nicodemus, who is supposedly, we you know that, uh, you know, in the Greek way of education, we, we, we educate through institutions. The Jewish way, they, they, they educate through discipleship. 
So Nicodemus, so the way you got trained <coughs> in the Jewish thing is, who is your master? So Nicodemus, he was a very high ranking, he was uh, even Paul quoting that I, I was sitting under Nicodemus. So he was a high-ranking uh, uh, rabbi, and he says, we know. Why do we know? Because you know the Bible in Greek or Hebrew? No, because you know that, oh, that color, what, what does that color mean? You know, these are all things that are, are non-essential. Do you know colors can mean different things in different cultures? So one color in one culture can mean one thing. So, so, so don't, oh, this is this and this is that. Oh, uh, you know, I heard all sorts of, and it's always to back, people use it to back up their own point. You know, like in, in Chinese culture, everything is red. Have you noticed that? Everything, I remember when I went to a, was a cemetery, a graveyard in Canada, I didn't realize there was even a Chinatown in the graveyard. All the Chinese were buried in one place, and it was all red. Okay, I think it was David who told me when Jesus' dad passed away, something in the Hindu, Buddhist, I don't know if they were Buddhist or whatever, but it's something that the family has to come together some days after the funeral because they believe that the spirit of whoever passed away are coming back. I said, that's a good way to complain about the will. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not in <laughs> <laughs> that is the case, but you know, like, but but the thing is, to be a Bible teacher, Nicodemus say, we know you are Bible teacher because no one can do these miracles. So there has to be you no know, evangelist, teacher, pastor, apostle, prophet. There has to be a supernatural thing to it. You, you are not a pastor just because you are nice and cuddly. That doesn't make you a pastor. There has to be a supernatural wisdom. Do you understand? There has to be a supernatural intervention. You know, you're not an evangelist just because you are excited. There has to be a supernatural part of it. You're not a Bible teacher just because you studied Hebrew and Greek and can quote the Bible in this, that, and the other versions or whatever. No. Nicodemus say, we know that you are a Bible teacher because of the miracles. Do you know that each one of us we are supposed to be carriers of miracles. Why? Because you got the Holy Spirit within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not the pastor alone, not Benny Hinn alone or whoever. No, you are. I am. Why? Because we have got the Holy Spirit, not up, uh, outside of us, but within us. That's why you and I, we don't need to pray in a certain direction. Do you know when the temple was uh, was existed, the Jewish people they were like the Muslims do. They had to pray towards Jerusalem because they believe that their prayers, they, they when they pray, they go from them to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem to heaven. Okay, but we don't need to do that. How do if the Holy Spirit is praying? How do we point? You don't need to point anywhere. Okay, because he's in you now. The Holy Spirit that is, was upon Jesus, that was in Jesus, now dwells in each one of us. Amen. Because you got born again. The born again is not a membership. And now this is again you have to just remember when you hear an American say, I'm born again, don't believe him. Because for, for an American, born again has become a phrase 
that is similar to I'm an Anglican. Okay? But being born again is that I have met Jesus as my Savior. It, it, this is the most important thing. Why did Mary Magdalene, why, why did she stay so close to Jesus? Because she was introduced to Jesus as her Savior. Amen. As her Savior. She didn't know Jesus just as a good man, a, a charitable man, a healer, a miracle worker, because if you notice, all these things are something that is outside of you. But when you meet him as your savior, it's something that happens within you. You know, but when, when and I believe my, my my own story about it. But I used to say that I, you know, I I learned and I started thinking there's a difference from when I met Jesus and when I got saved. Just like there's a difference from when you met your wife or husband. And to when you got married. You didn't get married at the moment, did you? Oh, hello, shall we get married? Okay. Where? Las Vegas, the king can marry us. Elvis. Not, not, not king. He's the king, Elvis. Jesus is the king of kings. I never understood why do people go to Las Vegas to get married. Oh, we want Elvis to marry us. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but so so salvation is the most important part. That is where the transformative power is. Okay, if if you only know him from as a healer, provider, all these wonderful things, it has it does not do something on the inside of you. It doesn't transform you. Have you noticed? It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't transform you. Money doesn't transform you. I, the only thing I notice with money is. If you have no money, no one knows you're an idiot. When you got money, we all know you're an idiot. Have you seen some of these uh, football players? I say, have they no? Have no one told them this is just ridiculous? They have gold uh, bracelets, or you know, you name it anywhere, and it just looks ridiculous. Was it David Beckham who got a tattoo, of, and when it was spelled wrong or something like that? You know, some Buddhist, whatever he had on his arm, and it was. And when someone pointed out, he said, it's spelled wrongly. No, but, you know, if you have no money, no one knows you're stupid. Once, uh, money don't just reveals you, but it doesn't transform you. The only thing that can transform you is the new birth. And with the new birth, as he said to Nicodemus, unless you get born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's why I believe that many people today, because they have, been they have not been introduced to Jesus as their Savior, they have been introduced to Jesus as the one who blesses you, the one who, who saved your marriage, the one who gives you a job, or, 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 but, they, but it does not transform them. And what happens with, with their relationship with Jesus is that they, they mistakenly start thinking that anything that Jesus is not their Lord, but he's their butler. You know, we have to understand, it's us who have to follow him. And you know that you don't, if you follow Jesus, you don't need to ask Jesus to bless you. Because you are blessed in following him. But if you're following your plan, you need to ask Jesus to bless it. Do you understand? 
We, we don't need to ask God, bless me. Why? Because I'm already blessed in following him. I don't think, you know, the disciples didn't need to ask for provision. Why? Because they were following Jesus. You know, one of the wonderful stories about the, 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 the man who is possessed by legions of uh, demons, and, uh, and he ran naked around in the desert, okay? And then he got delivered. And then, next time you read about him, he have clothes on. Where did the clothes come from? Did uh, Jesus say, Peter, take off your trousers. <laughs> John, your shirt. And he said, Peter and John ran naked around. No. Why? Because Jesus has already prepared. No, but you can always rest assured if you follow him, there is always provision, even in the desert. There was no shop. Oh, Peter, Judas, run to the nearest shop to get some clothes for this man. No, it was already. When you are with Jesus, all your needs are already provided for. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows your needs before you know himself. Why? Because he has said, I will take care of you. I don't, that's why I say, don't worry about the day tomorrow. Why? Because he has taken care of it. But we can only know that if we know him as our savior. Do you know that when you have known him, when you know him as your savior, nothing can shake your faith. Do you understand? Nothing can shake. If you know him as your provider, you know, that's only until the next meal. If you don't believe me, look at the Israelites 40 years in the desert. They, uh, there was 40 years of complaint. You know? They, they complained about the food, they, put, they complained about everything, they complained, oh, suddenly, oh, the garlic in Egypt was pretty nice. Now, now the slavery was wonderful compared, you know, there was just weird, weird people. You know, but you have to understand, God did not choose the Israelites because they were the most wonderful people. He actually said, I chose you because you're a stiff-necked and really, really stubborn people, so everyone can see I'm a good God, basically. That's and just like you and I, we did not get saved due to our good character, our good wisdom, and the other we think we are. We got saved because Jesus chose to die for each one of us. Amen. We, we, and that's where this is our foundation. Where, because if you don't have that foundation, you cannot see him as Lord. You cannot see him as the King of Kings. Because only when you are born again, only when you are born again, you can see it. Okay? Uh, in uh, in uh, what is it? it it's uh, Matthew 7:21 this is one of these scriptures no one wants to preach about okay and i and i said to people that we have to understand in, uh, in psalm 119 it says it's the sum of the word of god that is the truth okay we can't just take one word out of context and say this is how God is okay we have to see it in the context of the whole <coughs> so in Matthew 7 21 uh, it says here this is Jesus not everyone that said unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? And, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. And when will I profess unto them? Now this is very important. I never knew you. No, the, the, the references we are referring to is something on the outside of them. But this is not what is vital. What is important is, does God know you? That word knew is the same word that is used about Adam and Eve, where it says Adam knew Eve. You now, where that becomes a union, you know, where, where Jesus says that uh, that uh, when, you know, when you and I, we become born again, we become one with God because we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you cannot separate God and you anymore. Okay, because the Holy Spirit is in you. And that is what, you know, we become one. We become one with God when you get born again. And that's what it talks about. I never knew you. He said, yes, you did these things in my name. You know what? You can, you can give me your debit card, credit card. And if I figure out the code, it doesn't matter if I am not, my name is not Oliver. As long as I know the code, I can use that card. But that doesn't mean that I got a relationship. I could have stolen the code. I could have done also. But, and, and, uh, so, but from an outside, I say, oh yeah, he can do these things with his car. It doesn't mean that I could have stolen it. And the same thing with, that the name of Jesus is powerful. And even the world knows it. Because the, no one says, oh Buddha, or oh this, that, and the other. No, Jesus, why, why do the world using the, word, the name of Jesus as a curse word? Because the devil knows there's power in that name. And that's why he wants to pervert it. Okay? But here Jesus says, No, you've done these things, you've done that thing. You know, and I think with many of these people, oh, God showed me, God showed me, hallelujah, blah, blah, blah. You know that Jesus showed me this. What did he show you? Oh, I should get a Big Mac today. Those uh, stupid things. Oh, I had a dream. No, whatever it may be, we, these are name droppings. Do you understand? You know, but you go to any conference, big conference, and when some nerd comes up to you, oh, God showed me, God, whatever. And sometimes I just say, oh, just keep keep your mouth shut. Okay? Why should God, you know, you, now, because what we're doing, we're, 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 we're projecting their insecurity onto me to feed off me to thinking that I think there is something special. Okay, so they're not going to bless me because of me. They're going to use me to bless themselves. And that is called using people. Okay, oh, I had a dream about you. No, God will never tell you anything about me. You know, he won't. Do you think every time I go to sleep, uh, who are you going to talk to me about today, Jesus? Natalie, oh, oh, what did Natalie do? Ooh. Of course he doesn't. I, I, I was brought up, in, I remember that, that was when I learned the power of the blood of Jesus. I, I was brought up in that way. So, oh, the prophet is coming. Oh, oh, oh I can see everything. So I, oh, every meeting, the blood of Jesus covers me. <laughs> it, was not to, it was not to be protected by the demons, it was to be protected from the prophet. <laughs> okay, and because I didn't know better at that time, and because, and everyone in the church, oh wow, this is amazing! We can 
really hear from God. And you know what? He could. It was not God. He, he was reading people. Oh, oh, hallelujah. The Lord shows me. Are you cold, Natalie? <laughs> oh, oh, wow, how did you know? <laughs> no, you can read people. Oh, you go into a church. Someone here, you have issues with your parents when you were a teenager. They didn't understand you. And then say, wow, how did he know? That's me. Come on, that's everyone. No, you have to understand, as I said to you so many times, the only way God will let me know how your biggest secrets are is that you voluntarily come and tell me. Do you understand? Why? Because if God did that, he's broken the trust with you. How can you trust God if if your darkest, deepest secret, oh, Pastor Kurt had a dream. It's not how it works. How can you be secure with God then? If he's going to mouth everything off to you. No, that's not how it works. And, and it's so important you understand it. Now, where the supernatural comes in with it, once you have done that, then God might give me the wisdom supernaturally how to fix it. Do you understand? That's how it works. It's not that, oh, I had a dream, I had this, that, that. No, these are these people is talking about, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Okay? And, and the sad thing about it is, they didn't, they, they were not saved. They were not saved. You have to understand, the, the most supernatural thing you can have is that you get born again. That's the greatest thing, that, that you are born again, that you have seen him, you have met him as your savior. Judas knew, knew always, but when the pressure came, he did not know Jesus as his savior. So what happened when he had messed it up completely? Instead of running to Jesus, he ran away from Jesus. Peter, what did he do when he messed up? Because what Peter did was just as bad as what Judas did. Okay? He ran to Jesus. Why did he do that? Because he got to know him as his Savior. Amen. And it's so important we have that foundation in our lives that we know Jesus not as the healer first, not as the provider first, not as the one, whatever issues you have in your life, but you know him first and foremost. He is my Savior. Because you, and, and this is where the, the way people share the gospel today, they, they share the gospel in terms of the reasoning, meaning from brain to brain. Oh, can't you see Jesus? He's very nice. Don't you want to be with Jesus? He's very, very nice. We also are good at singing. Do you want to sing too? No, you need to come to a place where I'm lost without him. Amen. But I'm, and once you have, you know, this is what the Bible talks about, but if you lose your life, you shall find it. Amen. When you lose your life, you shall find it. So he said, I never knew you. I was never one with you. Jesus is not interested in what you can do for him. He's interested in who you are. He, he, no, we are not called to serve Jesus. Do you understand? 
He, he, he didn't save us to so that, oh, we need to get some more people saved because we need some people to serve. No, he, 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 he saved you because he wants you not to be lost. Amen. He wants you to be saved, not for the purpose of serving him, not for the purpose of worshipping him, not for the purpose of all these things we traditionally call church. He saved each one of us because he did not want us to be lost. And you know what, one of the biggest things, even when, when I operated in healing, and so I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really, really surprised about how many people in church they still scared of dying. Okay? That's where many of people that I know, they, 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 they want to believe in healing because they don't want to die. Okay? Have you noticed it's funny? Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. So how do we get there? Amen. I'm telling you, the moment you have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, not just, oh, I think Jesus, let, let, let me try Jesus. No, the moment you have received Jesus as your Savior, you have done all the dying you need to do. I'm telling you, you won't even notice you're dead. It's true. Suddenly, you're just gone. Kenneth Hagen, he always said, he want, I don't know why he wanted to have breakfast and then he goes. Maybe he knew something about the food in heaven. I don't know. There's <laughs> <laughs> a long queue. That would take a long time before I'm going to eat. So I need breakfast before I go. But he, he had his breakfast. And then he looked at his wife. And then he was gone. He just looked at her, smiled, bang. Okay? Okay. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he, if you go to Wakefield, there's a church in Wakefield, this is where Smith Wigglesworth had, I know this is how crazy we are as a church. When you go to a church, the pastor, this is where Smith Wigglesworth died. <laughs> 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 that is our ticket to fame. He died here. <laughs> no, so he preached a sermon, went into a room next to the sanctuary, sat there, when the pastor came in, when he was gone. Smith Wigglesworth's wife, she preached a sermon, and when she, I don't know if she went home or if she it was in the sanctuary where, and when she was gone, you know. But you don't need. There's nothing to, when you have met him as your savior and lord. There's nothing to be afraid of. Okay, there's nothing to be afraid of because. But the problem is we have introduced Jesus as a nice person, introduced Jesus as the healer and stayed there, introduced Jesus as this when we other and not got them saved. Okay, we need to get saved. This is the whole thing. Because there is such a thing called hell. Do you, do you understand? And there is such a thing called heaven. Or the kingdom of God. And we must always live in, you know, when, when, sometimes because we can, we can get wrapped up in thinking something like uh, that, we can forget about the eternal beings, but it's important we remind ourselves of why are we Christians? Not to have a good time first, not to have all we first, but because of now I am born again. The greatest, I remember the early days and my most, I just walked around thinking, I'm, a, I'm never going to die. 
I've never, I'm, I'm an eternal being now. It was just amazing, you know. But I am born again. I did not grant membership to an organization called church, but now I got saved. That when I'm on my way, not my, my destination is heaven, the kingdom of God. But not only that, now I, when I'm born again, I can experience heaven on earth. But you can only do that if you have that relationship where you know him as your savior. Do you understand? When you know Jesus as your savior, there is no limit for what you can, you can experience. But if you only know him as your provider, as your healer, as this man of you, now you're not transformed. You, you're just a recipient of something that God can do. But God doesn't want you just to be a recipient of what he can do. He wants you to be in fellowship with who he is. Because if you have him, you have everything. If you only know Jesus as your healer, then you're limited to be. But if you have him, there's no limit. Okay? And this is what we have to preach. This is what we have to share to the world. And if you remember about the rich man and Lazarus, uh, well, it's, uh, I can't remember. I, I just had it the other day. The rich man and Lazarus, you know, where, where he ended up in Abraham's bosom. And you have to understand now, that is before the cross. So people could not, because people could not get born again. So people who died before the cross, they also went down. But where, at that part, uh, uh, where people went, it was divided into two. It was what we call Abraham's bosom. Okay? And people who are righteous, they died and went where? If you remember when Saul called up the spirit of Samuel, he went to the, uh, to, to the witch, and it's, the Bible says that Samuel came up because of, they were all down there. You know, when Jesus uh, uh, resurrected uh, Lazarus, do you know why he said, Lazarus, come out? Because if you just say, come out, they'll all come out. <laughs> so, but the thing is, no, so, but one of the things I find interesting is that, you know, after the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible talks about that many of the old men of faith they roamed around in Jerusalem. Because, can you imagine that? You've not been around for 300 years, when suddenly you come. <laughs> no, but the other thing is, how did they know who was who? There was no pictures, there was no Facebook. Who is Elijah? Did they have name tags on? Hey, Elijah, before you leave here, put a name tag on. How do we know? Okay, by heart. You know, like when 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 they were at the what when Jesus met with Moses and Elijah. How did we know it was Moses and Elijah by heart? Do you know how did the blind Bartimaeus know that he was the son of David by heart? Okay, by heart, by spirit to spirit, heart to heart. This is how God communicates. Anyway, but. 
But one thing it is interesting that the rich man he says because he's in suffering, he's in pain, and so <coughs> and when he asks for some miracle, supernatural thing to come to warn his brothers, and when Jesus says, "No, no, they they already have Moses and the prophets." Now this is what is this is, Moses is the first five books, and the prophets is the prophets. It's the word that has the power to transform you, to save you. Not the supernatural. I have seen people experience supernatural things in their life, but it did not transform their lives. Because it, 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 somewhere down the line, we left Jesus. But you know what? We never left Jesus. We never met him. We talk, we talk. They look like it, but they never experienced him as their Savior. They experienced him as, oh, wow, I can pray for the sick people, they get healed, and so on. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. And those who you are praying for, they're probably very eternally grateful for it, but it doesn't mean that you are saved. Because for you and I to be saved is, have I met him as my Savior? Okay? Uh, that's why I'm, you know, there's sort of these things where. We're trying to reason with you. What does the Bible say about this? And what does the Bible say about that? And when you agree with this, and you are, well, now you're ready to become a Christian. Not necessarily. Because for you and I to be born again, we have to come to a point where I am lost. Okay? Because else, if you don't have that feeling, you don't see the need for him as to be your savior. You know, in the, old, you know, in the olden churches, I don't know... We used to have an altar. Remember, in old, you know, if you go maybe in an Anglican church, we still have an altar in Catholic church. Why is it like that? So when people had to be, when they said be saved, they went up where and cried their hearts out and said, "Jesus, save me." Okay, that I think was a. Well, I can't remember. It was a preacher called. I can't remember his name now. But he, he preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And uh, there was such a conviction that people basically experienced before the, the, the floor of the church just felt like they disappeared and they were falling into hell. And people cried their hearts out to be saved. Do you know, that when, when people see him as their savior, it lasts forever. But if you only have walked with Jesus according to what he can do for you, how he can help you, and what, whatever, it won't last. Because now you're still operating in the natural in terms of what he can do, but not in what he had done. This is why we have to understand that the cross is so vital. You know, the cross is where he paid for my sin. But I know a lot of people, yeah, in their heart, they will say it if you ask them by word, but in their heart, they don't look at themselves, they were sinners. Oh, yeah, the, really what they're saying, they said like me, oh, God was really fortunate he got me, you know, me and Jesus, we are going to win the world. What should poor Jesus have done without me? You know, we don't say it in this way, but the attitude comes through. You know, when I see worship leaders, they think they are God's gift to the world. No, they're not. Okay, and and they just there to make money. Okay, I like this old guy. He he's home with Jesus now. 
he was called Keith Green. And uh, he he gave all his albums away. Because of his how can I make money of something that God has given me? He was not a pop star, and yet he was the one everyone knew. You know the, one of his songs where he's a redeemer. Okay? Because he had known him as his savior. He didn't merchandise Jesus into, I want to be this, that, and the other. Okay? Because he knew him as his savior. You know, but if you watch this documentary with the Hillsong, I think it's on the District Channel. Yeah, but it's just crazy what is going on there. Oh, I want to save Jesus. Um, this is my boyfriend. You know, why can't I, why, why can't I have this? Uh, you know, you know, any kind of Christianity it does really better as long as you serve Jesus. And we just behave like idiots in, in that church. Okay, really like uh, and. And, and uh, come, uh, come have an experience. No, we are, we are not in the experience business. We are in the transformation business. You need to be saved. I don't care about it. You know, but seriously, the guy who had the greatest platform, who has been granted the greatest platform in UK, he's not using it. You know, this Gareth Gates, you know, he's on TV all the time now. And he, you know, yeah, praise, you know, wonderful, bless him that, you know, he have he got his speech, uh, stuttering thing, and that, uh, but he, he, but he's completely forgotten his fate. You never hear Jesus. You never hear about that. Oh yeah, he said, oh my mom is this better than the other, yeah. But he doesn't. He's been given the greatest platform to 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 this country, and he's not using it. For me, is. Is that because is he saved or not? Because if you're saved, it becomes natural that you are what you are. You don't say, oh, yeah, say I'm a Filipino. I'm a Filipino. Don't forget I'm a Filipino. If you know it should be natural. Just like, hello, my name is Kurt and I'm normal. Ooh. I'm normal too. Can you imagine? You, you can test it out. Next time you meet someone new, hello, I'm Oliver and I'm normal. I know what will go on in the head of the one you are greeting. <laughs> okay. But back to this thing, salvation. I'm telling you, so many issues will be solved just by this simple thing that you get born again. Many people they want to make Christianity into a theological discussion. What does the Bible say about it? I, I I don't agree with this, and I don't. Now we're talking doctrines, agreement. You know, no. Get born again. Get born again. Get born again. A lot of people. I don't know this so much now, but it used to be in the old days. Oh, the prosperity gospel. Ooh, it's really really dangerous and so on. Blah blah blah. Whatever. No, now now we're talking opinions. But if you have not been born again, all you have is opinions. Okay? But if you have been born again, if you know Jesus, your Savior, you can rest assured in everything. Of course, God will prosper you. Of course, God will heal you. Of course, God will deliver you. Of course, God will do all these things. 
But that's not why we are with him. It's because he saved us. Once I was a sinner, now I'm a saint. Purely because of the blood of Christ. Not by works, but only by grace. Amen. It is so important that this is the foundational thing. Because it's so easy to think that I'm a Christian because I do this or do that or whatever. No, you are a Christian if you have been born again. If you have been, if you know Him as your Savior. Uh, it's Luke seven, Luke sixteen, uh, seventeen. Luke, let's go. Luke sixteen. And uh, Luke six. Yeah. And uh, 17. Say. Uh, uh, 19, sorry. And now I, I wrote a note here. This is not a parallel. Okay? This is not a story that Jesus said. So he said, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fairs sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid, who was laid at his gate full of sores and designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments, and see if Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Have mer-. You know, you have to understand, there is no salvation after death. <coughs> Did you understand? Don't believe me, so he said, oh, but, uh, oh, I don't. You know, like, I, you know, we, we, no, anyway, all these people who've been to hell and whatever, don't, you know, it's just imaginations. Do you, do you understand? And when we come back and make doctrines out of what we've seen in hell and whatever, no, I'm telling you, if you have been to hell, seriously, if you have been to hell, you'll be traumatized for the rest of your life. It's not like, oh, I've been to hell, oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, you know, I'm so that's not how it works. If you've been to hell, you know, we have people who, you know, we have soldiers who've been to Iraq and Afghanistan fighting the war and their whole life is destroyed. And now there's this weird Christian, so to speak, oh, I've been to hell. I'm writing a book about it. Come on, you, if you saw what hell is like, you, you know, I, 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 I'm cringing if I see a horrible scene on a movie. I, even when I know it's just a movie. Can you imagine if you went to hell? It's the same thing going to heaven, okay? Don't believe it. These are imaginations. Okay? And do you know what it is? It always put the attention upon themselves. You have Paul in Corinthians. He says, I know of a man. He don't even dare say it's him. Okay? And then he says, and words that I heard was it's not allowed to be uttered by any man. But now, oh, I, I just went to heaven. Or God just showed me. Yeah, but why are you still living your little miserable life now? 
you know, is it, it is it's really a big cry of I need to feel important. And this is a sign of have you met Jesus? Because once you met Jesus, you don't need to use other people to make you feel important. Because he has made you feel important when you are saved. Imagine, think about it. The living God died for you. Hey, okay, not, not, not an angel. No. Anyway, so 17, 31. I got away from it now. No, wait, wait, 16. Yes. So, uh, and, in, uh, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seed Abraham afar off. 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So, you know, it's not a nice place. And I also want you to understand, that place was never created for mankind. Okay, it was created for for the fallen angels, but because Abraham, no, not Abraham, Adam, he 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 betrayed God and handed the devil, the Satan, the authority that Abel, uh, that uh, God had given Adam. That's why it had. Okay, anyway, so but Abraham said, "Son." But Abraham said, "Son, remember." that you in your lifetime receive as your good things, and likewise last was evil things. But now he is com comforted, and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, where is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from heads to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That means, it's in, you know, it's in this life you need to be saved. And like the late Stephen Hill, he said, you know, there are people who say, oh, I will get saved five minutes to midnight. Okay, meaning, you know, I, I just want to live my life and then just before I die, I will get saved. Okay, and he said, those who want to get saved five minutes to midnight, they usually die at 11 o'clock. Okay, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not today is the day of salvation. Okay, pass to us that will come, uh, 27 when he said, this is very interesting, when he said, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Wow, what a sign. He said, if you send Lazarus who is dead from hell, or from Abraham's bosom, now my family will get saved. Okay? For I have five brethren, that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into his, his place of torment. Actually, you see, he's not, he's not, really, he's not really a bad man. He's thinking about his family. You know, he's in torment, but at least he can save his family. But no, it's too late. Okay? That's why, be careful when you say things like, Oh, Jesus to come back now. Oh, shut up, you little selfish person. Okay? It is it is selfishness. Oh, I'm under pressure. Just because the boss came five minutes late, now you're under pressure. You, you have to understand, when Jesus comes back, everything freezes. No, no one can get saved anymore. Everyone else who's not saved, they go to hell. And then some idiot say, Oh, Jesus, come now. Oh, just keep your mouth shut and repent from your selfishness and arrogance and stupidity and whatever it may be. Okay? And the Facebook is full of them. 
Okay? Can you imagine? Everything freezes, every, everyone just now, that's it. No, we, we should be not busy about him coming back. We should be busy introducing him to the world. Amen. And so he said, For I have five brethren that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into his place of torment. Abraham said unto him, Now, he, his reasoning is, Oh, there's just a miracle can happen, and then everything, people will get saved. I used to think, if God just raised someone from the dead in the midst of a township, everyone will get saved. No. Because I'm telling you, even great miracles, you can get accustomed to it. I was in, I was in 1992, I was at Mission to London in, <coughs> with Moshe Willow, and there was like a whole host of preachers. That was where I saw Betty Hinn the first time, T.L. Osborne, Moshe Willow himself, of course, many, many great preachers there. And I'm telling you, I saw hearing, you know, I saw, I sat next to two boys who have hearing aids who couldn't hear really anything, and I sat next to them, they got healed, just right in front of my eyes. And that was Monday, Tuesday, all really exciting. Wednesday, why does he have to preach so long? I need a cheeseburger. You know, oh, oh yeah, someone got healed away. Oh yeah, so, you know, like, because we get so accustomed to it. Because it's in the natural. Did you understand? So, so here, he, so, no, so, but God says here, because the word here is spiritual. Okay? The word of God is spiritual, says it. So Abraham said unto him, verse 29, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, you have to understand, there is a huge misunderstanding about prophets. Many people think prophets are fortune tellers. If they're not, oh, give me a prophecy, give me a prophecy. Do you want a prophecy? Read your Bible. <laughs> No, no, I want to be told how wonderful I am. Okay, read John 3, 16. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to be pulled out so everyone can see and everyone can hear how wonderful I am. No, no. Prophet is not fortune-telling. Do you understand? Being prophetic is to, re to reveal. Do you understand? To reveal things. No, the, what, what did John the Baptist do? He revealed to the world what the world couldn't see. The world saw this man with long hair, blue eyes, clean sandals, well-trimmed beard. Okay? And they thought, ah, oh, this is the one uh, Joseph and Mary, where this Joseph is not really his father. Something has gone on here. Oh, what is he? No, this is why the Pharisees say, Pharisees says to Jesus, we know who our father is. Okay? But what did John the Baptist say? See, where is the Lamb of God? So he brought, he revealed, that's what a prophet does. A prophet reveals God. Do you, do you understand? Reveal, re reveals him. Okay, but he says, so that's why that, that he says, they have Moses and the prophets. The Jewish people believe Moses is the greatest prophet of them all because he wrote the five, you know, the five first books are put, and the Bible is prophetic. Do you understand? Prophetic in the sense of it reveals God. 
And he said, so Aaron said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. No, 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 no. I would rather hear someone who have a dream. I would rather hear someone who has a word. I would rather have some, I would rather hear YouTube. Or whenever it may be, I would rather hear a good song. Oh, when I hear that song, I got so close to Jesus. No, you didn't. You just showed me you're still operating in the natural because music appeals to your flesh. Okay? I'm telling you, you spirituality, you can feel nothing. I remember uh, the, 2008, I think that was one of the most scary things that I experienced. That, uh, can you remember Francis, who used to come here, she's back in America, her husband? I think I was in Denmark when he came first time to the church. I, I, it was around Easter time. I wasn't here. The last picture that was taken of him was in Nelson Street. Three months later, he died. He got diagnosed with cancer. Bang, three months later, he was gone. And I was just shocked. You know, I, uh, I remember I went to the hospice, no, no, to the hospital somewhere in the countryside. And he was completely gone, really. And I remember when I, uh, when I prayed for him, where David and Jesus was with me, and when I knelt down, I'm telling you, David and Jesus couldn't stand on their leg. I was, uh, you know, I, re- I was really shocked. When I opened my eyes, he wasn't healed. But what he told me is, you cannot measure anything, spirituality, in the natural. Okay? Because his spirit is hard. It's hard. And there, the word of God, is say, they have Abraham, and they have the prophets. We, you know what? We have the word of God. And this is it's the word of God that can save. It, it, it's not the gimmicks. We have, we, have, we have an event in the church. Can you come? No. It, that, that doesn't save people. You remember when we handed all the clothes out to people? You know what? The first time ever I've seen people queuing. But did they transform anyone? No. Actually, it just revealed the worst. Something that was free. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, I'm telling you, sometimes I think, in tradition, we always think it's the rich people who feel entitled. I'm telling you, I think it's many people who's on benefits. They feel entitled too. Oh, you probably see in the hospital, I pay my tax. You probably not pay any tax. You're on benefits. Yeah, but I'm... They feel entitled, and it's terrible. Okay, and uh, this where you know that charity sometimes exposes people from worst. And sometimes, oh, I, oh, here, here, I saw something on TV or thing. Here is a, he handed a free food or something. I don't eat pork. Do you not have any beef? (laughs) (laughs) If that has been me. <laughs> I'll take the. I shall give you cheap beef. <laughs> but God, isn't it? No, when we Israelites we said in the desert, oh, we want meat. I mean, God said, I shall give them meat. <laughs> I mean, God, so much meat they were choking on it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, but what he said. And he said unto him, If we hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rose from the dead. What he's saying here is if we if we, because 
Do you, do you understand? It's God who has to open our hearts. It's a supernatural birth. Okay? But over the years, there have been many people speaking to me about Jesus, but my heart was not opened, was not prepared. Okay? Many, we, we, but we, we think if I can just bring some kind of supernatural thing, then people can see it's obvious. No, they can't. Because it's the word that opens your heart. It's not the physical sign and wonder, so to speak. It's wonderful if, if it happens, but you know, you know, look at the Pharisees. They, they, were, they were basically watching to cast out Jesus. So which means they saw all the miracles. They saw the lepers getting healed. They saw, they saw the wound with the issue of blood getting healed. You know, they, they saw all the, he, they, they, he, he, he rose with dead, and they saw it all. But did it touch their heart? No. It didn't. Because it's the word. If, you are, if, you are, if your heart is not open for it, it's the word of God. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't want to hear, then even someone rose from the dead cannot save them. It's, and this is where we, we, we are not here to, to create an event or entertain or entertaining people to deceive them into becoming a Christian. You know what? There are many people. I, remember, I was in a church, and this pastor, he was married to his wife. She was someone who's grown up. Her parents were pastors for many generations or so on, a family line. And she just grew up as a daughter of a pastor, went to marry another pastor, became a pastor's wife in that church and so on. And then, she came up in the meeting and said, I need to be saved. And everyone was shocked because this was the pastor's. And she said, I just grown up in it. I just grown up, you know, like uh, my parents, when I was little, my parents took me to church. I went to Sunday school. He seen knew everything, the, the, the lingo, how to do this, and the other. She said, I never really seen the need for him to be a savior. People ask me, I am a Christian. I would say, yes, but. She, had, she just dawned, she just came over here. I never met him as my savior. Mm. I remember when we went to Stephen Hill, Steve Hill's meeting in Birmingham many years ago. I don't know if we all went or so, but we went to, and it was in 2002, I think. 2000, yeah, 2000. It was probably, anyway, and Steve Hill was preaching. And um, if you remember Helen Morell, you know, the doctor, she was sitting next to me. She's been a Christian for many years. She got a you know, she had tremendous testimonies in her life where she got bitten by a snake in the middle of nowhere in Africa and got healed and so on and so forth. She heard Steve Hill. And she said, she, she I need to get saved. I said, I could tell you that you are Catholic. Get saved. <laughs> no, but she, you know, is. And it's that salvation that is so vital because once you got that in place, everything else is simple. Where it becomes complicated is that people are striving and struggling and trying to be, feel important and trying to be value, validated and so on, is when you come in through other means than the blood of God. Of God. If you only know him as a savior, you know, I, I think a lot of new age people they have come into the church and they just change the names, but their but their their behavior 
is similar to what what we just call it Jesus now. Okay? And and because it becomes so common now, people think, oh no, but but the thing is there is no there might be power because the devil can also do signs and wonders. But there is no transformation. No. And that's what you have to look for is the transformation. It's not the power. Okay? The devil cannot transform. Only God can do that. Okay? And so you have to look at the transformation. But if you just stay the same all the time, you know, it's amazing. People can say, oh, I hear from God, I hear from God, I hear from God. And we can never hear from God what is important. Okay? You would imagine if they could hear so much from God, why did their life not change? Come on. If, you know, what's the point if I say, oh, my best friend is Bill Gates? And uh, when, uh, when you, yeah, but what's the point? Nothing f- fell off. Yeah. At least I could get a free computer. <laughs> Something like, no, but it, it's, it, it's so important that it's the transformation that is important. And many of times we don't notice it because, you know, a transformation is not always spectacular, but it is uh, everlasting. Okay? And, you know, some of the greatest signs and what were miracles you have experienced, you did not even notice it. Okay? Because of, oh, oh this. And, 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 and that's, that's why the word is so vital. I always say to people, if it's the Holy Spirit, it will always point you to the Word. No, the Bible. Never to me, see, oh wow, you've been to heaven. Oh wow. Because it always points to man. But the Holy Spirit, he reminds of Jesus. Points always to Jesus. Okay? And I'm telling you, even you know, but just even in our own midst, that we there are things that God has done for you and we don't even pay attention to it. Because it just become common, okay. Anyway, so know him as your savior. That that, that is our job to introduce the world to a savior called Jesus, okay. That is the most important part because that is what because it's not about us being wits or healed or healthy and all these things. That's not what it is about first. It is about that we are saved. That our destiny. I remember the guy who prayed with me about uh, being saved. He said that uh, I, I didn't understand what he was saying because it was all language that I didn't. <laughs> my name was written in the book of life, and so on. He, he, he was so excited because he never led anyone to Jesus for for donkey's years. So he was really excited. And uh, I'm telling you, this is what it is about. And now, when you start seeing you are an eternal being, suddenly the life that you're living here gets a different perspective. Do you understand? Because sometimes we can be so wrapped up in in now and not realizing, you know, that whatever concerns you today, you can't remember next year. And yet today it feels everything. Next year. Okay? Because we are eternal beings. So when you know him as your savior, that's you know, this, this is why when, when I'm under pressure, all I need to do is quote Psalm 21, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why can I quote that with confidence? Because I know him as my savior. 
Once I was lost, but now I am saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your <coughs> word produce what it says. Lord, I thank you that each one of us, we have experienced the power of your sacrifice, the redeeming power of your blood. Lord, I thank you that we were not saved or purchased by gold or silver, but by your precious blood, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the good work that you started in each one of us here, you will complete it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's receive a communion now. And, uh, and, and this is like, let us remember, you know, that the most important thing we received, we received salvation. Hallelujah.